Hello and welcome to the Steps to Investing minicast with me, Simon Longfellow. And I'm Marcus De Silva. This week on our 10th episode, we cover a very bizarre turn of events with the prices of oil, the food apps that are flourishing during the virus crisis, and staying with the food theme, we look at an enterprising restaurant chain and what it's doing to survive during enforced closure. Finally, we also tune into Netflix to see how we've all been using it. And at the end of the show, in our new big investment section, we take a look at investing in quality growth companies. Don't worry, we'll explain what that means, and we have a few ideas of actual investments to illustrate the point. Okay, let's get started. We're going to begin with the food industry, which has seen quite a lot of changes in recent times. Uh, but the restaurant industry in particular has really been struggling since the coronavirus lockdown measures, as you can imagine, not any of us allowed out to eat. But one company's come up with a novel idea, hasn't it, Simon? Yeah, that's right. So Boysdale Restaurant Group runs four London-based restaurants at what you might call the upper end of the dining scale. They are in the city of London, Mayfair, Belgravia and Canary Wharf and when they're open they offer sort of swanky bars, terraces, private dining rooms, live music and a fairly sort of hefty meat-based menu focused on some pricey looking steaks. Okay but they're shut right now like everyone else right? Yep that's right again so what they've done in order to bring forward some of their income and ensure that once lockdown is over they have customers to serve is launch a scheme called the Boysdale War Bonds. Sorry, you're going to have to forgive my age a little bit here. What's a war bond? You mean you don't remember? Uh, joking. So a war bond is essentially an IOU issued by the government of the day uh, to fund all kinds of wars, notably uh, the First World War, uh, but also uh, some of these date back to the 1720s. In return for loaning the government some money, you're paid a rate of interest, much like you would get on cash in the bank. So, for example, in 1927, as Chancellor of the Exchequer, Winston Churchill issued something called a 4% consolidated loan. And it's estimated that these have paid out about £1.3 billion in interest in the years since. These bonds were called what's undated, and that means that there was no set date when the government would pay you your money back. Okay, so how is the Boysdale scheme working? Well, it's sort of similar but different. They're offering what they're calling a 100% dividend. So you can essentially buy a bond for £100, and once lockdown is over, exchange it for £200 worth of food in one of their restaurants, and it's valid for a year. So essentially what they're doing is bringing in some much-needed cash to help now on the basis of a promise of payment further down the line. I mean, it's a pretty neat idea. Some other chains have done similar things. The Heart Group, who owns Barafina, uh, they're a tapas restaurant, has offered uh, discounted vouchers since February and raised about £80,000 since. Good stuff, I must admit. I'm missing a buttery lobster roll from Burger Lobster. Um... What's been going on at Netflix? Well, this is probably not the most sort of earth-shatteringly surprising news you've heard, but I just thought the numbers were quite interesting. Okay, what have you found? 
Well, in the first three months of the year, Netflix added, wait for it, 15.8 million users, which when you consider that its own target was 7 million, the Wall Street analysts had forecasted 7.4 million, it's actually quite a staggering number. It's 125% more than they were targeting. Has this been good for the share price? In short, yes. Uh, the S&P 500, which is the index of the leading 500 American companies, has gone down by about 12% this year, but the Netflix share price has gone up by more than 30%. Okay. Do you think this will be a long-term phenomenon? Well, the subscription packages in the UK, they're just for a month at a time. They cost about £6 a month. Uh, but, of course, you can cancel any time. And even Netflix themselves have said they do expect membership growth to slow down and actually, uh, obviously, really viewing to tail off once we return to work. Right. And what were the other numbers? Well, at the same time as Netflix has seen an increase in revenues from subscriptions, it's also spending quite a bit less on actually making programmes, as of course all the studios have been shut down. So it reckons it will only, only, uh, burn through about a billion dollars this year, rather than the two and a half billion it thought. Interesting. Okay, Marcus, you have been looking at oil this week. Uh, it's all been a bit weird, hasn't it? Yeah, it's not been a great week for oil this week. Definitely a coronavirus loser. Um, but in particular, some of the private investors who have been invested in oil funds that are trying to get exposure to the oil price. So clearly, coronavirus has stopped us doing a lot of things that use oil products, so driving to work or dropping the kids off at school, flying them on holidays, etc. And this has, as you can imagine, taken a lot of demand out of the oil market, something like a 30 or 40% drop in demand. So prices have been sliding accordingly. Um, and we've seen to, to the middle of March this year, a drop of around two thirds of value to around $25 a barrel. And I think at this point, some private investors thought they were being a bit savvy and thought to themselves, gosh, this has got to recover. If, if, if we come out of lockdown measures and the economy recovers, you know, I remember when oil was $100 a barrel, and that was just in 2014. You know, it only needs to recover a bit, and I could make some, make some serious money on this. So in order to gain access to the price, they've been investing in passive oil funds known as ETCs, Exchange Traded Commodities Funds. Now, the problem is, is not only has the price of oil continued to fall, but the financial, financial instruments that are used to gain exposure to the price of oil and the ways in which they are traded has created even bigger losses. And we've seen since the 3rd of April, so this month alone, the biggest US oil fund, called the US oil fund, um, is down a heart-stopping 60%. Gosh, so why can't you just buy into the current price of oil? Well, to gain access to the price of oil, it's an awkward commodities funds to trade, actually. You know, do you want to store 100,000 barrels of oil? It's difficult. So the ways in which these ETCs gain exposure is through a specialist financial instrument known as a derivative, um, which are just IOUs, really. And the ones commonly used in oil are futures. So these are just standardised contracts to enable them to be able to be traded easily. And it just stipulates that a certain amount of oil will be delivered at some point in the future, hence the name. Okay, uh, so why has it gone wrong this time around? Well, there's a lot of supply, 
of oil. So we know that OPEC producers, the big ones, OPEC producers, Russia, the US, all not wanting to, to coordinate really, you know, there's sort of talk of them trying to steal market share. Um, so there's lots of supply. And as I said, there's a big drop in demand. So clearly you've got, there's a glut of oil. And it's meant for a particular type of oil, the US oil, known as West Texas Intermediate. Um, and has has suddenly it's become difficult to store it at its Oklahoma storage facilities. They have become very full. And beyond those facilities, it's not easy because it's quite a landlocked um, area of the US. Now, as I say, the futures contracts stipulate the delivery of oil. And traders with contracts that were about to expire suddenly found themselves realising that there was nowhere for that oil to go. And no one really wanted the contracts. And what happens to the price of something when no one wants it? it, it obviously, the bottom falls out and it, and, it, and it drops massively. So at one point, these contracts were at minus 40 because you were literally having to say, please take my oil from me. Um, so the funds, you know, their job is simply to trade these contracts to gain exposure to the price of oil. That's what they're designed to do. And as they were rolling, as it's called, out of contracts that are about to expire, into ones that were further that were with further maturities it was causing massive losses you were rotating out of something that was worthless into something that was a lot more expensive um, and in the futures market this is called contango um, so it caused it's caused massive losses and i think what's interesting here is just uh, the fact that sometimes low prices don't always represent an opportunity they're actually very low for a reason and it's still fraught with danger that's called a value trap you you're perceiving there to be good value in some something that, that where there isn't i think secondly as well is is even though the vehicle that you're investing in might be okay for retail investors it doesn't necessarily mean the underlying securities um are simple or easy or easy to understand so know what you're buying into because the complexities of these of these securities and the way they trade means that you could be facing risks you're not even aware of. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Well, let's move on now to food, or back to food, should I say. Um, what's been going on in the food apps? Yeah, well, we heard at the beginning of the year that Dutch firm Takeaways.com was going to merge with Just Eat um, here for £6.2 billion price tag, which sounded pretty fantastic for Just Eat shareholders. Um, and what happens when you see these sorts of big cross-border mergers is that the competition and markets authority in the UK will usually take a look just to check that it's a good deal for consumers and that um, actually what we're not seeing is too much consolidation of players within a market, which could mean they could basically raise prices. Um, this has been raised, this has been um, waved through pretty quick, um, a month before its deadline. Um, and also after Amazon last week has been allowed um, provisionally to make a big investment in another food delivery app, Deliveroo. And is that unusual for the CMA? I think it is quite unusual in the sense that this seems very fast track. And I think what was interesting was there was an article in the FT that was that was quoting that there was almost like a de the first de facto bailout from the CMA. It's saying, okay, we're going to relax the rules to allow to allow this capital to come in, to allow this investment, because ultimately businesses are under a lot of strain right now. Um, so we need it more than ever. Um, you know, and it means that if you've got the cash for the acquisitions, it shows you how it could be a good opportunity at the moment with, with, with rules perhaps a bit more lax than they normally would be. 
Okay, so I thought this week in The Big Investment we could slightly change tact and rather having a geographical focus, we could look at some investment strategies. And two strategies are often hotly debated are, do I invest in value stocks or do I go for growth stocks? Now, next week we're going to have a look at value. So this week we're going to look at growth. And what are growth stocks? Well, they're companies that are deemed to be growing their earnings per share at a rate that is faster than average than their peers or the wider market. And because earnings are, share prices are attached to earnings, these companies tend to provide returns in the form of capital growth. So it's the value of the fund going up rather than the income you receive. Now, what kind of companies can do this? Uh, you get definitely smaller companies are very good at doing that. You're starting from a very low base. It's easier to double one pound to two pound than a hundred pounds to two hundred pounds. Um, and they are in new markets with new products that are quite exciting. So that can be why they, they have quite strong earnings growth. But those companies, smaller companies, tend to be quite cyclical. And by that mean, they're very linked to the ebbs and flows of what's going on in the economy and the economic cycles. So if we go into a down and turn, these tend to be sold pretty rapidly and their share price is effective. The other type of company that grows its earnings pretty strongly are businesses that are deemed as high quality. So by this we mean those where the, the growth of its earnings are rooted in some factors that we could deem to be, that, that, that kind of indicate that a business is, is a really good one, okay? So they tend to be a bit more established and they tend to have bits of tech or other reasons why their, their business model is quite hard to replicate. That's known as having an economic moat. They might have incredible products. Um, they tend to have strong management and management will identify opportunities and invest in projects that will give them high returns on those projects. So all in all, they're, they're just seen as a great business. And these businesses can be quite good if you identify them because because of those, those strong features, it can protect them a little bit more when there's issues in the wider economy. So that's what we're going to be having a looking at is quality growth. So, Simon, what have you found when you've been looking for investments that offer quality growth? Well, this week I'm going to look at an ETF or an exchange-traded fund first, just for a change. Uh, my choice this week, uh, and remember this is not a recommendation to buy, hold or sell anything, uh, it's just an example of what we've been talking about, is the iShares USA Quality ETF. Um, what it does is it tracks a subset of American companies, about 130 in total at the moment. Um, and those companies uh, have experienced strong and stable earnings. In other words, they're companies which have made good profits over the long term. Now, it's a large-ish fund. It's about £675 million. And to give you an idea, some of the companies it tracks are well-known American names. So Johnson & Johnson, Microsoft, and PepsiCo. Um, Apple is also in the top 10 holdings, and in fact, 25% of the companies in the fund are in the information technology sector. Okay, that's great. Have you got any other examples? Well, for an example of an open-ended fund, or OEIC, OIC as it's known in the trade, um, I've just uh, had a look and chosen the Linsel Train UK Equity Fund. Now, this is managed by a guy called Nick Train, who is uh, famously in the sort of funds world 
a very high conviction fund manager, which in English means he buys a company's shares that he really believes in uh, and he makes big investments. So in this fund, for example, at the end of March, in round numbers, it was £5.4 billion in size. Huge. Um, now, we know, though, that that money was invested in just 26 companies. Um, and the names in the top 10 uh, companies that he invests in of those 26, I mean, you'll know them. They're people like Unilever, uh, the London Stock Exchange, Diageo and Burberry. Okay, and what about an investment trust? Yes, so for uh, this, for an investment trust, we're going to Europe and a company called Henderson Eurotrust, which is managed by a guy called Jamie Ross. The clue to what this investment trust is aiming to do is crystal clear in its investment objective, which very simply says that the company aims to achieve a superior total return, so that's growth and dividends, from a portfolio of high-quality European investments, uh, and that's excluding the UK. Now, this is a much, much smaller fund than the two we've just looked at, total assets of about £263 million at the end of March, but those monies are also invested in a pretty short list of companies, 43 in total, which include names like Roche, they're the healthcare uh, pioneer, Nestle, Telecom Italia, uh, and Vivendi, which is essentially a media company. Now, a quarter of the investments are in French companies, and with the sector focuses being financials, uh, healthcare, and information technology. Okay, well, with that, it's time to end this week's show. We very much enjoyed uh, presenting it. We hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, join us at the same time, same place next week uh, to hear episode 11. Thanks again. Goodbye for now. Goodbye. Goodbye.